back. Transform your workplace and your favorite guest, Paige Tamlin. Ooh, here. That's, that might be a Uh-oh. stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I love a favorite. It. No pressure. Yeah, uh, there's no pressure at all. So today we're talking about, there's this interesting report that you brought to my attention. It's from Aflac Workforces Report. It's called The 10 Trends Influencing the Future of Workplace Benefits. Benefits, super boring in my opinion, but... Oh, so they're like my favorite. I like the perks side. Well, the benefits sure. are, to me, and not to get into a philosophical debate about benefits, but I just feel like it's like, you got to meet the basic needs of people. Sure. Like people need health insurance and, of and some of those things. But to me, what separates employers is the perks and some of the unique ways that they're going about benefits. So anytime I see like, oh, the standard is X, Y, Z, it's like, okay, how do you differentiate yourself as an employer? So anyways, that's my, I'm getting on my soapbox. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off right now. So I give some background on the study. The 2018 AFLAC Workforces Report basically examined benefits, trends, and attitudes towards the benefits. They polled 1,700 employers across the United States in various business sizes and industries. So that's kind of the data behind this report. They covered four different areas, which we're not going to cover everything, but they talk about business growth and objectives, rising cost of healthcare, benefits selections and advisors, and voluntary insurance. So I figured we would just talk about a few of them. We don't need to talk about all of them. But trend number one, I'm going to prompt you for this one. So companies continue to be in an optimistic growth mode, even as concerns about healthcare and benefit costs remain worrisome. How does that one hit you? I think it's telling, but it's also to me, I think we've become comfortable with health insurance costs becoming so expensive. So, you know, regardless of how much you're paying, you know, increasing, I haven't seen any clients get a decrease in health insurance costs in years. (laughs) Unless they're hiring all 21 year olds or something. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, like, I think just the cost is going up. As the way our market is and the way our healthcare insurance is set up, there's always going to be increasing costs to them. So, Pretty much every client of mine has gone and increased. So as that continues to increase, it's become the norm. Yeah. And so it's like, it's no longer like the sticker shock. It's like, okay, if we get an increase that's less than 20%, I'll be happy, which is crazy to me. But it's like, that's the new norm. So it's like, they're focusing on growth and ways to still kind of keep their business moving forward while still assuming that there's those hard costs of things like benefits. I wonder how they phrase the question in the survey, because to me, this is kind of an odd one. It's like, okay, just because healthcare costs are rising, what, I'm going to go on a hiring freeze? Like at the end of the day, it's relative to revenue and even what you pay people, health insurance is really not that much. So to me, it's a weird way to phrase this point. It's like, oh, okay, because healthcare costs are rising, I'm just going to like stop growing. Yeah. To me, that'd make I think no that sense. there's things that businesses maybe, you know, take into effect of, do I want to go out into this other market knowing that I have to get employees in this area who already are going to have to be paid more? And then I'm also going to have to pay for health insurance. That might also change the health care plan that I have because it's in a different state. So I think there are things that, you know, businesses certainly have to consider. But Yeah. So trend number two, moving along here, staying competitive in the marketplace remains the most important business objective. And I don't know if they mean competitive in terms of like retaining and attracting talent or competitive as in like competitive in the business landscape. Yeah. Well, you pose a good question. What does that mean to every business that responded to that question? 
Could mean either of those things. Could mean both of those things. I think it depends on what your business model they is. They do talk about talent. So I, I'm assuming that they mean competitive in terms of getting the top talent to grow in their business. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because when you look at benefits and the costs of healthcare is rising, every employer seemingly offers some sort of base health program, it seems nowadays. So I think they're getting creative with how they're offering benefits. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of really like crafty things. You and I did a podcast, I think on like the loan forgiveness. I have seen tuition reimbursement too, 401k matching, if you know, if people are paying off student loans. So there's some really crafty ways that, you know, I've seen clients get with offering benefits to attract that talent. Because if you're all in the same space, you're all in the same area, what else are you offering? Yeah, So that's the biggest challenge, right? Is like everybody's offering the same thing. That's why like I'll debate all day about like mandatory, you know, government forced programs, like even though maybe it's the right thing to do. It's like when you start to have so many of them, it's like there's no how do you differentiate between employer? Like I really think, you know, having an important mission and value system within the organization and other perks that are unique is probably what's going to separate employers. But healthcare thing, I don't know. (laughs) Trend number three. Fewer employers report feeling the squeeze of healthcare costs. This one was an interesting one because I do feel like all we've been talking about is rising healthcare costs, but they're feeling less of it, or maybe they're just saying, yeah, this is the norm. I think it's that. I think it's the norm now, which is sad to think about, right? If you get an increase that's less than 20% and you're like, woohoo, you know. Five years ago, I think that wouldn't have been the case. So I think that's probably just the new norm or could be businesses are seeing so much revenue growth that it no longer seems to be as much of an issue. That is a really good point, actually, where if their revenue is increasing, their growth has increased so much where relative to the rising costs, maybe it's not. And if employees are incentivized to perform and they're incentivized to help grow your business, the hard costs of their health insurance seem like a small price to pay for your business. So there's an interesting like kind of subtitle to this trend where it says this year, fewer employers say that rising healthcare costs prevented them from increasing compensation. So either absorbing or pushing costs of healthcare to employees. And I'm curious which one it is, maybe it's a little bit of both. But they're still giving people raises and increasing compensation. Well, and there's still every geographic area obviously has its own, you know, set of issues when it comes to compensation. But as far as with pay equity laws, you know, coming into play in different states, I think that that's kind of the norm as far as like, I have to still give people increases because I have to pay them equitably with what is fair in the market and what's fair within our own company. And those hard costs for health insurance, you're right, they could be passed down, you know, it depends on how much they're yeah. willing to give. Certainly a lot of my more like high tech, more startup companies, they're paying for 100% of, you know, employees coverage. So it's like they're just willing to eat that because they know that that's what's going to keep them competitive in a market that's maybe saturated in their industry. Even though an employer may be offering like paid 100% of the premium, I think where employees should really start asking questions and understanding on a yearly basis is that employers can cut corners. They can redesign the plan. Even here, it says that employers are increasing co-pays because that probably reduces premium or or at least mitigates the increase. 
you're able to do a lot of things with plan design yeah. to absorb some of that cost. And a lot of that is led by the brokers, led by the carriers, and that carriers will phase out plans that no longer suit them and no longer are good for them. And so that could mean that, you know, they no longer have that level of deductible plan anymore. And so you have to bump it up. And usually with a higher deductible plan means higher copays. So yes, your premium amounts may stay close to the same that what you got from the last year, but your plan design is different. So so trend number four says, regardless of this positive news about not feeling squeezed by healthcare premiums, <laughs> costs continue to be a concern for many employers. So they are still thinking about it, especially the small businesses. I mean, do you disagree with that one? No, I think small business always has a challenge, right? Of you know, where do our employees find value? What are we willing to fork a little bit of money over for and what are we not? So I think that that's always going to be an issue in small business. So that's not super surprising to me. I don't know if you feel differently. No, not at all. In fact, there's a quote here that they had in the report that I thought illustrated the point nicely and even supported what we were talking about earlier with retaining talent. So the quote says, the hardest thing is continual rising costs of benefits. The reason it is so hard is that it dilutes what we have for resources to retain employees. Our customers won't pick up the slack. We can't continually raise our pricing and still be competitive, end quote. And that was from an employer with three to 49 employees. It's a small business. And I think the point is really valid. It's like, you know, as they're rising costs, the pool of money that they have available to retain people, offering unique benefits or maybe increased compensation Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, it continues to get diluted because of the rising costs of healthcare. When in the market will only bear so much for your product or your service. So you can't price yourself out just because you're trying to take better care of your employees. As much as I would love that that would be the answer, right? Is that you pay a company more for their product or service knowing that they take really good care of their employees. That's just not always how it works. I think initially that's so true. But when you look at the macroeconomics of this is where price inflation comes into play, it's like it becomes the norm and then you just, everybody keeps raising prices. Yeah. And then just naturally levels of price incrementally yes it will go up yeah but you can't be the one first out of the gate as a small business to just yeah. be like we're gonna price ourselves 20 percent more than yeah. our, you know just because we want to take care of our employees your customers are gonna say well why does should that affect me i'm also trying to pay my employees and i'm also trying you know so it's a give and take i think the, the challenge with this healthcare argument is that everybody has to have health insurance yeah. right and the employer has been the vehicle for so long and when you have such a big component of the gross domestic product is healthcare spending and care, that's where I think price elevation can come into play a lot more. It's scary for small businesses, especially when they're just pinching every resource that they possibly can. And like, how do they attract it? This is the point about attracting talent is such a valid one for the small businesses. Yeah, these enterprise level companies, they're offering these healthcare programs, they can absorb the cost, and they can afford most likely to have all these other perks and throw more money at a talent to get them to work there. But what about the small business? Yeah, I think there are people out there, though, who don't want to work in that large, you know, business who don't want to work for those large corporations where they're one of a thousand. That's just not that's not their MO. (laughs) They want to be in a small business where they feel they can make an impact. They see their work at play. And that's what they get enjoyment and fulfillment out of. There are still certainly people who would prefer to go and work for the large organization, have all those benefits paid for and be, you know, a fish in a big pond. See, I love that you made that point because this, I think, supports the argument that we've been preaching for the longest time about purpose and mission and 
if you continue to state that, I think, yeah, people need to have their basic needs met, but ultimately they want to know that they're doing good in the Mm -hmm. world. And if your business can be a vehicle for that, like we say, transforming workplaces, we really feel like we can take the administrative burden of payroll and HR and support people in their growth of their people so that they can do great out in the marketplace. Or we work with a lot of nonprofits, so we can help them do great in the community. So that is like, what yeah. we can and do I feel good state. about doing that, right? It's exactly. like, that's what I feel good about is taking that off of somebody's plate and saying, hey, let me take care of that for you. You go off and do great things because I still feel like I'm doing great things. So do they. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Because I think like talking like that is more beneficial than saying like, oh, we offer 100% of healthcare cost. Like that's so true. Trans- and what else? It's so transactional. And what else? Yeah. Like everybody wants more. And again, when we talk about the norm, like depending yeah. on what industry you're in, like that's kind of the norm. Like, especially if you're in that high tech industry, that's pretty much expected. So it's like, what else are you providing? Yep. No, a hundred percent agree. Like there was that book drive by Daniel Pink. I don't know if you ever had a chance to read that, yeah. but you know that his material along with many other people have said the same thing is like, you know, rewards, wears off after a while yeah. it's like okay it becomes expected yeah you're like okay you're paying my health insurance Great, or i got a raise yeah. and then after a while it wears off and yeah. then you're less motivated so i think you're not motivated by the work that's the yeah. benefits are not what's going to keep you there what's yep. going to keep you there is the work that you're doing the work that your company does okay so this is the last trend i wanted to chat about trend number six most employers believe the benefits they offer matter to workforce satisfaction and well-being although fewer measure their success. And this, there's a lot to unpack on that one. What do you think? Like, how does that stick out in your mind? I just like, why would you not measure that? Like, I don't think it's, it's hard. Just, it's hard. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be though. Like there's no... Okay, okay. Tell me what metrics would you use to measure success? I've done tons of like benefit surveys for okay. clients and saying, here's what you're currently offered. How valuable do you find these things? And if they find little value in something, I tell clients to drop it. I'm like, if nobody is participating in this particular plan well, or benefit they, that you have. That's what they say, though. But what about like... But then you also have to pull them. I'm like, okay, what are some other things that you would like I to know. see added to the benefit plan? And then they say, okay, if you're willing to add these, are you willing to pay for a percentage of them? So, okay, yes, I want to add long-term disability and I am willing to pay up to 50% of the cost for that because that's what's important to me. Yeah. And you can look at trends that way and say, okay, I'm seeing very little participation in this particular plan, yeah. but I'm seeing a ton of interest in you know adding these certain things. Let's delve into that. Let's talk about that. Let's figure out. And a lot of times it could be like minimal cost to employers yeah. to even offer. If anything, it's, sometimes it's just like the admin of setting these things up you know, and having like voluntary plans. So sometimes it's not a whole lot of hard costs to employers. It's just offering it. I'd be curious what the alignment is of like what people desire, what they say that they want versus what actually makes lasting change. So here's what I mean by that. I've been doing a lot of like studying on stress in the workplace. I'm actually reading a book called Dying for a Paycheck. I'm going to actually do a podcast on that with somebody from our employee assistance program. And stress is a killer. And I mean, people are depressed. They're so stressed out to where they're having all these health problems. So I say that because, yeah, we say we want certain, like, yeah, long-term disability or all these other things. But what about these other things that actually might help from a root cause? Why I say that is in this trend number six, it talks about well-being. And if you are really focused on well-being, then you need to focus on the root. 
of that, which is, you know, maybe there's... There's a lot to unpack with that. There, I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's why it's like, yeah, like how what's the root cause of the stress? Yeah. Well, yeah. And that could mean different things for different businesses. Like maybe you just operate in an industry where it's high stress. Yeah. And that's not for everybody. So there's some of that give and take too. But I think overall wellness is, yeah, that's a huge initiative to take as a company. And certainly, you know, we've supported clients with doing wellness initiatives and things like that. Your EAP would be super helpful for those types of things. But ultimately, like you said, your needs need to be met. Yeah. So. I'm just trying to say it's hard to measure this. Yeah. Because there's probably a lot of lag indicators like turnover or lost productivity. But even then, it's like, how do you measure that on an individual basis? Just based on knowing somebody's unhealthy or stressed out or whatever it may be or unhappy. I mean, I think, you know, how much are you paying attention to people who are leaving? Are you doing exit interviews with people? Are you doing stay interviews with your current people? Because that's where you're going to get to some of that root cause of like, oh, wow, I see a huge population of people here who are stressed out in their jobs and don't feel that we are supporting them. Wow, we need to fix that. Yeah, that's a tough one. It was a really it's tough a really one. <laughs> it's a very broad... Are you glad I just ended with that one? Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like I didn't answer your question. <laughs> but you believe that the benefits that people are offering do matter for well-being and work satisfaction, don't you? Yeah, I think because if you were to take them away, what would happen, right? So if all People'd of a sudden... Pissed. Yeah, if I didn't have health insurance anymore, do you think I'd probably... Peace out. Yeah. That's super important to me, especially if you're somebody with, you know, small children where that's critical for you to have that health care. 401k, if you're getting, you know, towards retirement, I've seen people turn down jobs because, you know, companies don't have a good 401k or a retirement plan or matching or anything like that. So it is important to people and they are paying attention. So as much as we want to say, yes, it's a baseline and that's how you're getting your needs met. There are certain things that you can do to be competitive to, you know, draw in the right people for your business. What I really want to say, I'm going to say it anyways, uh, because I want to get your response. Okay, so this trend is all about like, employers believe that they can offer more benefits, and that's going to contribute to their work satisfaction. Mm -hmm. What if they just paid people more? And then people were responsible for getting the benefits they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the problem with that theory is that Oftentimes, you're not going to get as competitive as a plan on your own. 100% agree. That's so, why we have the PE. Yeah. Was that like PEO. a trick question? Yes. <laughs> I think that works for some people, right? I think if you are a really small business, like less than five employees, where it's yeah. like it doesn't even make sense for you to offer that, you could pay people more than assuming that they were going to go out and buy their own health care plan. But I think, again, it's the norm to offer some sort of health insurance plan. So I think if you just went and said, hey, I'm going to pay you you know, 10 grand more, but go ahead and just go get your own health insurance, I would be panicked because I would want to make sure that the plan is equivalent to what I'm getting now. Yes. So you bring up a point that I just wanted to state and you said it before I did basically that I think it's an education vehicle in a way where you just said that, okay, the employer dropped the health plan. You might not have any clue as to what you need. Like, maybe didn't have cancer coverage or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Was it equivalent coverage to what I had? Yeah. Maybe yeah. now my deductible is now $5,000 instead of, you know, a $3,000 because that's yeah. all I could get and on the healthcare exchange. Didn't cover laboratory or tests yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. it's hard to read my this prescriptions plan. prescriptions are nice. twice as much. Yeah. Like it just, it's those small things that it's like, okay, sure. They're going to pay me this much more, but now it's the burden of, I have to find my own healthcare plan. I have to redo this every yeah. year. So it's and like, it goes, well, goes yeah, beyond it goes that ways. too. It's like long-term disability or life insurance. Like employers offer a lot of these unique yeah. things. And on your own 
Would you go buy these? I'm gonna go find a long term. Dis- I at least I would. I, would. I, I work in would. HR, so if know. I'm telling you that I'm not going to, I'm pretty sure your employees are gonna say the same <laughs> thing. I'm not gonna go find my own long term and short term disability plans. I'm not gonna go find my own, you know, yeah. EAP and, and all this other stuff. Like it's just the supplemental stuff that I'm not gonna go find. I'm gonna find the basic things that I need: healthcare, dental coverage, vision, all of that stuff. And maybe I'd get a retirement plan set up, and then I would be like, okay. I at least can make it by until mm-hmm. I can find something better that offers me all of those things. Yeah. Well, super fascinating. I feel like we were just like debating and sharing our opinion, which just yes. makes it interesting, right? Like, <laughs> I like to argue. <laughs> I do too. It's always really fun. This is especially when there's no like perfect answer no, on any there's of this not. stuff. No. Because if we had the right answer, then everybody would probably do it the same way. Well, it'd be boring. It'd be really boring. HR would be boring if I had like a perfect answer to everything. I operate in the gray, right? Don't you love the term best practice? It's like, Oh, I use that all the time. That's like my way of being like, I'm mom and I'm telling you like what you should be doing. That's really what that means. People (laughs) use that in marketing a lot. It's like, oh, here's the best practice. Totally. Like, Like HR. The thing is, if you use best practice in general, it's cookie cutter. It's for everybody. But what we've learned in working with tons of businesses across tons of industries and different sizes, different revenue, Best practice doesn't work yeah. because you it have to be customize. Yeah. They are unique. They have different needs. They have different value system. We have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. And that's why best practice is yeah. crap. I think that we all know as you know, HR practitioners that, you know, of course, we want to do best practice 100% of the time. Like you said, some of our clients are just not going to meet that. Totally. And, and can't do that. And so you have to apply that in the best way that you can and figure out a new strategy and kind of pivot and say, okay, well, if we can't do that, let's do this. So. Well, this has been fun. For the listeners, if you'd like this podcast, maybe it's the first time you're listening to Transform Your Workplace, you need to go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Click that subscribe button. You'll get episodes every week. Pages on probably monthly, something like that, right? <laughs> How often do you want me to be on? You could be on monthly. You could be on almost weekly. I think it's, I'll just keep coming back keep until coming people back. tell me to go yeah. away. Where are you at on online? Where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all those places. So follow me there, connect with us and make sure to go to Apple Podcasts, give us that review and subscribe. Okay, Paige, thanks for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.